G'day folks and welcome to episode 61 of the Ubuntu Security Podcast. I'm Alex Murray. So this week we're going to start with our usual roundup of vulnerabilities and fixes for uh, the supported Ubuntu releases. 23 different uh, CVEs that were addressed in the past week. This includes things like Apache Solar, uh, OpenStack Keystone, the Linux kernel, uh, sudo, and Django, and a bunch of others. So we'll go into all of that pretty soon. And then uh, Joe's back from his uh, trip to Cape Town and a week off, and we're going to be having a chat about uh, a recent breach on Wawa in the US. But let's get into it. So first up, as I said, we've got uh, a CVE that was fixed in Apache Solar for Xenial. Uh, this is the enterprise search server that is based on the Lucene search engine and it provides XML, HTTP and JSON APIs, that kind of stuff um, so that you can do searching across you know, all your different documents and all the things. It was vulnerable to an XML external entity attack. So uh, the idea here is that XML can include a reference to another XML resource and your XML parser will go and fetch that other resource. And in this case, you know, you could trigger another vulnerability, which was uh, via the use of the config API to obtain access to the run executable listener class. And so you could run this, uh, you could use this, so should I say, to execute code that was delivered via your other XML document and could therefore allow remote code to be uh, executed as a result. So that has been fixed for Apache Solar. We've also had an update for WebKit GTK in Bionic and Ewan. Three different CVEs were resolved in this. Uh, as usual, there's not a lot of information that come with these from upstream, but uh, being a web processing engine, uh, it's the kind of stuff that we see like so memory management issues as a result of fetching untrusted web pages basically. So you could get possible code execution depending on how they can corrupt memory and that kind of thing. Yeah, so that's been resolved for WebKit GTK. We've had an update for OpenStack Keystone in Ewan. So this is the uh, OpenStack component that provides identity services, so client authentication and all that kind of stuff. And it has an API for listing users and credentials and things like that. And it had a vulnerability where if you had a role within a project as a user, you could look at the credentials API and get back all of the credentials for all of the users, not just your own. And so this obviously could be used to you know, log in as another user or impersonate them or whatever you felt like. Uh, this new uh, credentials API was introduced in Keystone version 15. And so it didn't affect uh, the versions in Bionic or our older releases, uh, only in Eowyn and uh, the development release uh, Focal. So that has been fixed for those. We also had uh, the release of a kernel live patch. Uh, this was addressing seven different CVEs. All of these I have talked about in previous episodes in our standard kernel updates, but if you are using live patch, so basically if you're on one of our long-term support releases, you can obtain access to live patch and you can get uh, kernel hot fixes without having to even reboot. And in this case, it was for, as I say, some stuff that I've talked about previously, but a bunch of different Marvel Wi-Fi heap and stack-based buffer overflows were fixed in this. Uh, there was the Intel GPU uh, context uh, switch info leak and also a binder uh, IPC heap-based buffer overflow that were all fixed in these as live patches. So you can get fixes for those without even having to reboot if you are running uh, the standard kernel on one of our long-term support releases. We had an update for sudo, so this one got a lot of press and you know, if you were just reading the article, you would have thought that, oh no, everything running sudo is vulnerable. And in this case, the vulnerability was that uh, there was a stack-based buffer overflow that you could trigger during password authentication. 
However, this needed the uh, password feedback option to be enabled in your sudo uh, configuration file. And this is not done by default on Ubuntu and even other um, popular Linux distributions. So uh, out of the box, you would not have been vulnerable to this. There was no way that anyone could have triggered this stack-based buffer overflow and then maybe used you know, malicious intent to uh, authenticate them or you know, to, to bypass sudo to authenticate themselves. And only if you had enabled password feedback in your sudoers. So that is used actually so that when you go to type in your password, it prints say dots or whatever it might be to, you know, as for each character that's there so that you actually get some feedback as you're typing. Whereas out of the box, sudo doesn't give you any feedback. You're typing your characters and you, you don't see anything there. Uh, so yeah, that has been fixed though for sudo if you did happen to be using password feedback and you are in this case running Xenial, Bionic or Eon. We also had an update for Django, so one CVE that was fixed for Bionic and Eowyn. Uh, in this case, there was possible SQL injection via the Postgres module. Uh, if you happen to be using the Stringag instance in your you know, Django deployment, uh, and this was fixed simply just to sanitize the input to that. It had a uh, delimiter parameter to that uh, that function that was not being sanitized, but that is now being sanitized, and so all your Django's are safe. Uh, just a couple more to go through. We had an update for Spam Assassin, and this was two CVEs that were fixed in all of our supported releases, including our extended security maintenance releases. So that's both uh, 1204 and 1404 extended security maintenance, uh, Xenial, Bionic, and Eowyn. Uh, back in episode 59, actually, I talked about a very similar, similar vulnerability. That was that uh, if you had a specially crafted uh, CF configuration file, uh, that could get possible code execution as a result. In this case, they've found two more similar vulnerabilities to this. So again, if you are using untrusted CF files, uh, you shouldn't be. <laughs> You'd be using only trusted CF files uh, because, yeah, again, they found another couple avenues where you could get code execution through what was listed in the CF files. So you want to make sure that you are getting those from trusted channels and even Upstream have again reiterated with these uh, vulnerability disclosures that they you know, advise you really should be getting them from trusted uh, sources, which makes me wonder whether they believe there are still more uh, avenues where CF files can get code execution. And finally, we had an update for Graphics Magic in Xenial. So seven different CVEs were resolved this week. Uh, I've talked about Graphics Magic uh, every week nearly for the past about five weeks. Uh, Eduardo on our team has been doing a great job smashing out uh, old Graphics Magic vulnerabilities in Xenial. So in this case, uh, there was a couple of different null pointer references that were fixed, uh, an instance where you could get a very large memory allocation from crafted files. Uh, and there was some a heap-based uh, buffer overfreed. So all of these are likely going to result in a crash and therefore denial of service. But there were a couple stack-based buffer overflows and heap-based buffer overflows as well that were fixed. Uh, so if you are using Graphics Magic, you are now just a bit safer on Xenial. And that's it for this week in security updates. Up next, Joe and I had a chat about a recent breach against Wawa. Hey Joe, how's things? Hey Alex, things are great. How are you doing? I'm not doing too bad. Uh, so I've been a little bit lonely without you here the past couple of weeks, but I think I've done all right. Well, you know, when, when we are a distributed company here at Canonical and multiple times a year we meet up. So we were just in Cape Town 
um, where all of the, I'll say, engineering managers and some of our tech leads like yourself, Alex, um, somehow you got out of it, though, um, go to Cape Town and we... Um, <laughs> We discuss our roadmap and make sure we're all on the same page and, you know, relook at our priorities. Um, and it's like kind of awesome because we, I mean, Alex, we spend so much time on Hangouts or IRC. Um, getting that actual face-to-face time is pretty awesome. So, yeah, we it was a really great trip. Um, we did lots of uh, great things. We're getting 2004 all, all ready for our, what would be our 10-year LTS release. So, it's very cool. Yeah, no, you're right, Joe. It, uh, I think as a distributed company, we do work quite well and quite efficiently, but uh, it is a real uh, kind of real boost, I guess, um, having people in the same room and, you know, particularly when it's uh, a little, you know, it's not like you're in an office environment where you see the same people every day. So you kind of uh, get a bit of fatigue. In this case, it's you're all there. Everyone's kind of psyched. Um, you know, it's a really productive week, I find. So Yeah. Cool. And also, unlike an office where you... Um tend to grab people and go grab a cup of coffee or get lunch and, you know, talk about non-work related things. Uh, yep. You don't really tend to do that much when we're on these hangouts. So, um, oh, I think you and I do, but that's beside the point. Um, <laughs> but uh, when we um, when we go to things like Cape Town, we go out to dinner, lunch, et cetera, we can actually find out about people beyond their, beyond their solely work related things, which actually leads me to my next question, Alex. Which I think I'm just going to turn to a weekly thing. What are you reading right now? Uh, so... I'm still stuck reading, uh, not stuck reading, I shouldn't say it that way. I'm still working my way through <laughs> Reamd again. Uh, well, it's like yeah. 10 billion pages, so it should yeah, take I don't time. Read, well, and I, and I don't read a lot. Uh, I end up watching streaming things on my laptop, um, yeah, rather than reading most nights because I kind yeah. of just, I don't know, yeah, it's just easier, yeah, <laughs> I guess. I'm with you on that, right? Well, I, yeah. I was in um, I was in Cape Town. And I was like, oh, I can't sleep, but I'll read this book and I'll go to sleep. But of course, I ended up finishing the book and staying up for hours, right? So it yep. didn't really work. But but right now, I'm reading um, K2, Life and Death on the World's Most Dangerous Mountain by Ed Viesters. He's the guy who, um, he, he he's I think he was the first American to climb all 14 8,000-meter peaks without oxygen. Wow. And he's got another good book called uh, No Shortcuts to the Top. That's really good. And I fancy myself a mountaineer, although not in his class. So I <laughs> love reading those type of stories too. Yep. Um, and mostly because I'm like, okay, I'm not going to do that one day. <laughs> I'll stay on a reasonable-sized mountain for me. Um, but yeah, they're, um, I, that book's pretty good, and I'd recommend it for folks who are interested in that type of stuff which is a very big um offshoot of the types of books i really usually read which are sci-fi um because they're fun and escapism and i like them but anyhow um this week what are we going to talk about alex so you were talking to me about this wawa hack and uh, being from australia i was like what's wawa yes wawa w-a-w-a is a convenience store um mostly on the east coast of the u.s um so if you've been to a 7-Eleven, think of it like a 7-Eleven, but upscale. So you would, you know, go there and not think you're going to get stabbed. Um, so that's the difference of a 7-Eleven and a Wawa. But Wawa got hacked. Wawa's point of sale machines and their, um, and their, so there is also a gas station and also their gas, my guess, pumps got hacked. So um, for nine months, every transaction was going out to somewhere on the internet. I don't have all the details yet of where they were going, but the first, I guess they're saying it's 30 million credit cards. Um, 
from 800 stores were um, exfiltrated, um, I guess in real time or near real time. And then um, the first batch of 100,000 showed up on a page. I'm going to say it was called like the Joker's Palace or something like that um, for sale. And this is really interesting. They're only giving, they're only selling a certain uh, amount of them at a time because they don't want to put all 30 million out because it will, you know, the, the law of supply and demand, it'll just drive down the price of credit cards. Um, so they're saying that it has the um, uh, cardholder name, cardholder number, an expiration date, but not this uh, CVV2 um, and not anything else. Um, so it is of somewhat limited utility without all that information. Um, not sure how they don't have the CVV2. Maybe that's a problem with the malware. Um, but um, that's, well, I guess you don't really do that at the point of sale machine. You only do that online. Um, so I guess it does have value. Never mind. Um, so yeah, it's, um, I'm a little amazed though that it took nine months to be discovered. I guess they, from the article I read, it said that banks had uh, had announced a, um, a warning in early, or I guess late November saying, watch out for these um, gas pumps and gas stations uh, as we're seeing increased activity on stolen credit cards. And then on December 10th, they were notified, or I guess uh, Wawa discovered it, and December 12th, they said they removed the malware, which is actually quite fast for incident response, two days to remove malware from 800 um, installations. Um, yeah. But uh, that leads me to question... Do you think they found it on their own or maybe a bank tipped them off or uh, other law enforcement agencies said, hey, you're, you're infected. You should look at this because um, I've seen that exact scenario happen multiple times um, where like FBI or Secret Service will reach out saying, hey, we've got a tip that you're compromised and then they'll discover it. Yeah, I think you're probably um, right because the banks have got the telemetry and you know they're obviously able to monitor all their own you know, transactions and things. And uh, I would like to hope they are doing correlations between, uh, you know, fraudulent activity and previous transactions across different accounts to then try to do this uh, source attribution, I suppose, as to where it would come from. And I also wonder the idea of releasing 100,000 credit cards at a time uh, from the uh, attacker's point of view. Maybe that's also so that, you know, if you release them all, if a bank's threat hunting team can go and get those themselves and then suddenly just, you know, cancel all those cards, well, then they're all just, you know, it suddenly becomes worthless. So maybe you get to um, eke out more value over time as well. I, possibly. Yeah, I think they're calling the um, the package for sale the Big Bada Boom 3, um, which, I don't know, is that a reference to um, the fifth element? I believe that somehow in the fifth element. I'm not really sure, though. That's um, awesome if it is. Yeah, I hope so. Um, if they're saying 30 million credit cards, I mean, you almost think they could immediately notify every single person because they know they, yeah. they know they know them all and they could just, I guess, start sending out new cards. That's a lot exactly. of postage. Um, yeah. And that's a quite a headache, though. If you've ever had to get a new card, you know, you might have, like, let's say, I think we were just talking about streaming. You know, you got to put a new card into your yeah. into your streaming that's platform true. and then yeah. put it into your, this platform, your that platform. You get nasty emails from those people that, uh, you know, that, that, that platform that automatically bills you every month because you forget about it. Um, yeah. But also as you close some accounts that you forgot you were even paying for. <laughs> it makes you rethink, do I really need this? Yeah. <clears throat> they need to go from the Audible 
two book a month plan or the one book a month plan. No, I go for the three book a month if I could, but they don't offer that, Alex. Um, but it's, I wonder um, if you have 30 million pieces of data going out at a minimum, because you imagine some of these people are repeat customers. How do you not notice that network traffic? Uh, I wonder what the exfiltration point was. Were they hiding it in something else, a, a covert channel? Was it complex where they're exfiltrating it in DNS requests? Although I doubt that. Or maybe, you know, as a payload of NTP, something, I'm not sure. Um, or was it just a regular, where you usually see like a SSH tunnel or something, or even just an HTTP post, some random yeah. um, random message board. I've seen that as well, where they put it to some weird, you know, like soccer message board and it goes to some random PHP page that's storing yeah. it all in a database. Yeah, I agree with you that from the from their network point of view, yes, should they have, well, obviously they should have detected this themselves. If you've got that many different uh, sites that are all doing some kind of unusual traffic to get this out, right? They're all connected back to the same C2, wherever it is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, how do you not notice that? How do you not correlate that across all of your sites and notice it yourself? Yeah, and I don't know. Yeah. Are these are these stores? Are they all independent properties where they have? They're not going back through a, a you know a, a VPN back through the corporate headquarters. Maybe they're all just individual connections going through Comcast. I mean, if you've ever looked behind a counter at a small business, you know there's just a mess of cables and nobody really understands what's happening, and they're running. Mm-hmm. Windows XP on them, you know, and they're like, oh, well, we bought it this way and my grandson set it up, you know? Um, yep. But I apologize. I apologize to our listeners because I'm a bit under the weather because I got a cold um, from my, my global travels. So um, I'll, be ex- I'll be interested in the next few weeks to read about how this hack happened, um, if they can pinpoint who that actor was, whether it was using a known malware package, you know, some of the malware for hire type stuff that you see. Or if it was something new, um, if it was a known, like an APT, but I doubt it if the credit card is usually not APT. Um, mm. Anyhow, I'll be very intrigued to see how the, what the cause of this was. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Joe. It's been great having you back. Yeah. I hope you are feeling better uh, for next week and you get over your cold. Oh, I have to. I've got, I got one of two things. I can't read these books without mountaineering and, and get sick and not be able to enjoy the winter out here in Colorado. So... <laughs> okay everybody thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next week all right so that takes us to the end of this week's episode as usual if you want to get in contact with us you can reach us at security at ubuntu.com or if you want to chat to us via irc we hang out in the ubuntu harden channel on freenode irc network Uh, you can always get us on the security section of discourse.ubuntu.com and finally if you like twitter we are at ubuntu underscore sec So thanks everyone for listening again for another week. It's been great doing this again for you all. Uh, We'll be back again next week. But until then, remember, keep calm because we've got your back and I'll speak to you soon. Bye.